Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus resurrected and so that because he has, you can too? Come on, I think you can celebrate better than that this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, I know that you've already sat down, but I want you to stand one more time. You'll know that you've been in uh, uh, Easter service this morning. And uh, we're going to just get ready. I'm going to read something to you. And I want to say to you, Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day, and I am glad that you're here in this service today. If I didn't get a chance to speak to you, I would love to before you get uh, away from here today. And immediately following this part of the service, we're going to have communion, and uh, we're just going to we're going to celebrate. But we're not only going to celebrate, but we want to experience that. We're going to talk about it a little bit more today about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I really believe there are two very distinct things, elements that are celebrated during Easter. And yesterday we sat was Saturday. Friday was what we celebrate as Good Friday. And then, of course, Saturday was the day that Jesus was in the grave. Third day is Easter Sunday. And a lot of times we focus in on Easter about the death of Jesus. But the truth of it is that's the first element. That that's the point that that's the Friday uh, the Friday part that we get, the Good Friday part. But I'm thankful that the Good Friday part is where he paid the penalty for my sins. But the part that I really, 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 really like is the fact what separates you and I showing up here today and a lot of other religions who will celebrate, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ is not in the tomb. He is resurrected from that, and because of that, you can too. Your life can too, and I want to share that with you a little bit. So let's read, uh, I'm just going to read to you a little scripture uh, here, and then we're going to get started. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says this. It says, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature, and he w- and nature, and was yet cut away. And then God made you alive in Christ, or with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. Well, he, he forgave part of them. No, he forgave all of them. He forgave all of our sins. Verse 14 is really the scripture that stood out to me as I was preparing this message. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He canceled the charges of the record against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Amen. Amen. Would you just this morning do something for me? Would you welcome everybody who is listening or watching by Facebook Live this morning and just tell them how much you appreciate them coming today as we get ready to really get into this message. Come on, would you do that this morning? Come on, one big time. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this service. Amen. Now, before you're seated, you can fist bump, elbow bump somebody, whatever you need to do, and tell them they look like they've lost weight. Amen. That'll make them feel better. Amen. Amen. We think about the resurrection of Jesus. We think about the weekend and the elements that surround uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We think about the fact that we sang the songs and then I just read to you the scriptures that really Jesus stepped up and paid our bill. 
He stepped up and paid the penalty. And, and Jesus, what he done, if you could imagine it this way, is being in a courtroom where there's a fine that's been incurred and that you owe that and you've got to pay it. And in this instance, the truth of it is our fine or our debt was actually death. The Bible says that, uh, that if a man sins that he would surely die. Now the truth of it is that God doesn't really want us to die. So Jesus steps up into the courtroom of our life on Good Friday. And Jesus died to pay that bill. And I'm thankful for that. Now let me say this another way because somebody may come, uh, leave out of this service and say, Well, Pastor t uh, tells me that uh, the penalty of sin is death. All of us have been there. We all have sinned. The Bible teaches us in Romans that we've all come short of the glory of God and that we really deserve death. So when we say we deserve death, we mean not only this physical life will we die, but we also know that there is a, a ever a eternal life that will die as well. So you mean, Pastor, you're here to tell me there's a true heaven, there's a true hell. Yes, we believe that, and that's why we're doing what we do today. Well, I just didn't think that good God would send people to a place called hell for a penalty of their sins. Well, let me just say this to you, that God does not send people to hell that He's mad at. It is a place that people choose to go to that they want to pay their own bill. It's a place that people go that they choose to pay their own bill. Jesus came. He paid the bill. The good news is you don't have to pay your bill. The good news is God's not mad at you today. As a matter of fact, what He really wants you to do is because He gave His life for you as we read in Colossians is He wants you to give your life to Him and to be your best friend. He wants to be close to you. He wants to live close to you. Jesus did not come to make, well, a bunch of bad people good. He didn't come to do that. He came to make dead people live again. I said He came to make dead people live again. Let me just give this to you. Let me share it to you from my heart the way that it is. I believe that there's a lot of people who celebrate the Friday experience, which is the crucifixion of Jesus. We hang crosses around our necks. We put crosses in the foyers of our churches. We put them on the platforms and the stages around this time. And we focus on that. And we should think about the cross. We need to think about the cross. That's where your debt was paid. But can I tell you that Easter Sunday is now a place and a time where Jesus isn't on the cross anymore? He's not hanging there. And I know a lot of people wear one around their neck and they got Jesus hanging on the cross. But the good news is He's not hanging on the cross. He's not on the cross. That debt was paid for you. The good, good, good news is He didn't just die, but He got up on the third day and He resurrected. And because He's alive, you can be alive. And you don't just celebrate Easter, but you get to experience it because you now are alive in Jesus. Come on, somebody. So Jesus didn't just come to make you because you thought you were bad, good. He came because He knew that you were dead and needed to live. The question I have for you is this. If the Good Friday transaction was completed for our sins on Friday, in other words, it was paid for then, and Jesus was in the tomb on Saturday, why in the world do we need a Resurrection Sunday? 
I believe there's some good answers. I'm going to share two with you this morning as we get into this message a little bit further. Two reasons that I believe, and there's many that you could share, but two that I believe the reasons that Jesus needed to, first of all, that he needed to prove that he was really who he claimed to be. That Jesus needed to prove, he needed to prove who he really was, who he claimed to be. Because the, the, the religious people said, hey, he claims to be the Son of God. He claims to come from heaven. He claims to be this. But what good could come from this place called Nazareth or Galilee? Who, who, who good would come from that? And how in the world? They even said he was blasphemous because he said that he was the Son of God. And I think it's one thing to claim or to make a claim about resurrection. In other words, they were dead and now they're alive. But God backed his claim up. He did this and it makes, I think, what separates our God from every other God. Let me just share this with you. I've been to a lot of school functions. I have, I have been gifted and God has blessed me to be able to speak at school functions. He has blessed me to speak in public places. And there have been more than one time... That, that they basically have made sure that I knew that they did not mind me saying amen at the end of my prayer. It's okay to say amen because most uh, religions, a lot of them will say amen because that word literally means so be it. But I have been informed before that they would rather me not say in the name of Jesus, amen. But my Bible teaches me there isn't but one way to the Father and come on, or to the Son or to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? So when we pray and say in the name of Jesus, what we literally are saying is that God backs his claim that his son who was sent from heaven to earth, come on somebody, through the birth of a 14-year-old virgin girl, lived about 32 and a half to 33 years on the earth, then was crucified, put in a borrowed tomb, but only stayed there three days because the tomb couldn't hold it because the Bible says under the power of the Holy Spirit, he came out of the grave. Today, we don't want to just celebrate Easter, but we need to experience it in our own life. We need to live. Come on, somebody. Skeptics say, well, that's a myth that was claimed by a lot of Christian people. Of course, you guys are going to say he's alive. The Bible also tells us, or we're, we find an extra-biblical recorded history, meaning that it's not necessarily stuff that's written in the Bible, that over 400 people witnessed Jesus after Him, spoke to Him, talked to Him after He rose from the dead. Acts 1 and 3 tells us this, that during the 40 days after He suffered and died, He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and He proved to them that there were uh, in many ways that he was actually alive. So he did speak to the apostles. He did talk to the disciples. He did talk to them. And the Bible says, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So the first thing that he needed to do, the reason that he needed to, to come forth from the grave, was so that he could prove that he was who he claimed to be. The second reason, which is the crux of this message, and I need you to hear this because there's a lot of people that are going to fit right where I'm about to go right now. You've been in church. We're in the South. We believe we're in the Bible buckle, the buckle of the Bible belt. We believe that if we go to church, we got our name on a register, on a roll somewhere, we're, uh, we walk to an altar, we shook the pastor's hand, then 
Everything ought to be good in our life. But I want you to hear this. The second reason that Jesus went to the cross was so that he could conquer the he could conquer death, not just for himself, but for us also. Not just so that he could prove that he was who he said he was. Not just so that he could rise and conquer it for himself, but he did it for you. Easter is more than just a historical event. The Bible says it provides the power, listen to this, which we just sang about. Bethany and I were talking about the last song, Glorious Day. She had that one and one other one, and we were talking about whether to end it on a kind of a slow note and go into that bumper video, or did we end it on a high note, and we were talking about coming out of the grave, and we both agreed that on the high note was the best way to end that because of what we're sharing today and what we're talking about is not only that Jesus, if you, if you watch or you listen to that song back again, you will find out it's not just talking that Jesus came out of the grave, but it's talking about we come out of the grave. That when Jesus finds us, he finds us dead in the trespasses of our sins. And we need the power to come alive. It isn't just for him, but it's for us. Jesus conquered death for you. And, he, and the Bible says he tells us that in John's, uh, in, uh, to, he, when he appeared to John, the revelator in the book of Revelations. Let me read this one to you. Revelations 1 and 18 said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And then I like what one pastor said when he said amen. Jesus kind of patted himself on the back and said, good job. If you won't amen me while I'm preaching, amen, I'm going to amen myself. And then he says, and I have the keys of Hades. It's translated in one place, hell. One place calls it the abyss. But he says, of Hades and death. You know what? You know what he was saying? Between Good Friday and Easter morning, hear me now, because we celebrate a lot of times. We had, you know, I, I read a lot of things on social media on Good Friday about Jesus and about Easter and all of those things because that's what we do and about his crucifixion. There's a lot of stuff about the crucifixion on there. There's a lot of stuff about him being nailed to the cross. But, but I want you to hear this. You, somebody said, why three days? Why three days in the grave? Because Jesus was on a mission. He could have died that night and got up the next day under the power of the Holy Spirit. But there was some specific reasons that he was there. But one of the greatest things that I want to show you is very simple from that verse is this. That Jesus went to the grave, spent three days there before he came out, a borrowed two. While he was in the grave, I like to preach it this way, I believe it's truth. The Bible says in Revelations 1 and 18 that he now holds the keys to hell and death. Which means that you and I don't have to die the second death, which would be the payment of our sins. Not just dying the first time, but dying for eternity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That we can live with Jesus, amen, forever and ever. I want to tell you this, just let me share this with you. That the devil is so defeated, he is so defeated in your life that Jesus did such a work in your life and defeated him in such a way that he doesn't even own the keys to his own house anymore. Did you hear what I said? I said the devil is so defeated in your life that he doesn't even own the keys to his own house anymore. The Bible says that Jesus took the keys of death and Hades or hell. And I want to tell you, holding the keys is powerful. And I noticed that one of our young ladies in the church got her a new hoopty, a new ride today for church. You know, I noticed it coming in. And 
As I was talking to her dad yesterday, I thought about it and was talking about negotiations and having to do all the stuff and got to go back and you got to go to the dealership and, you know, the thing's not done until you sign the paperwork. You know what I'm saying? You pay the bill or you at least are good for the bill and, and they don't usually give you the keys before you do that. Are you hearing me? But when Jesus went to the grave, he took the keys away from the devil. You know why he took them away from him? Because he paid the bill and they really didn't belong to him to start with. The Bible says he's a thief from the very beginning. And he lies and he steals and he wants to steal from you. But Jesus went, paid his debt, paid the debt that you owed. Come on somebody. That I owed and he took the keys from him. And uh, listen to me, the devil don't even own his own keys anymore. Come on somebody. Holding the keys is a powerful thing. See, if, if that young lady's daddy kept his, her keys, she couldn't go anywhere. If the dealership kept the keys, she can't go anywhere. But because they hold the keys. Holding the keys is a powerful thing. I noticed another family able to close on their house holding the key. They're holding the key in their hand. Why a picture of the key? Because the key represents something very, very powerful. It is the, it is the unlocking power to what you own. Can I tell you that Jesus was the only one who was worthy to unlock the power of death in and over your life and you can live. Amen. Amen. Now let me explain something to you that I think that I believe is important. There's a lot of people who celebrate Easter, but they really have not experienced it. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I believe there's a lot of people who claim to know the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected Christ, but they still live their lives very miserable. What do you mean? They gave their heart to Christ. They're saved. A lot of them believe and, and, and probably are going to heaven. But I'm going to tell you that all of those things, just being saved, just being a church member, just shaking the pastor's hand, does not free you. As a matter of fact, you can walk to this altar, and we're going to give an opportunity. You can walk to this altar. You can pray a prayer seated right where you are, and you can know and have a Friday experience. Which means that Jesus was crucified, paid the debt for your bill. But let me tell you, you can have that Friday experience and never, never really experience an Easter. Why, Pastor? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that stop at simply giving their hearts to Christ. They say, well, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 10, 11, 12. I, I gave it to him when I was 15, 16. I went to an altar even when I got older. But they are living their life miserable. They don't like each other. They don't like their family. They don't even really like the church. And I'm here. I don't know who it is. Maybe you're here today and you got hurt at church somewhere. I just want you to know today, we didn't come here tonight. We're not asking you really to sing or, or to sign anything or to say anything in particular. We want you to know we're glad that you came. And we want you to be able to explore this and kind of see what we're all about and see what this church is all about. And our mission is the same as Christ. And that is we're looking for the lost that are hurting, that need Him, and that are looking for a be something better. You've said in your heart, there's got to be more in this life than what I'm going through right now. And that more is experiencing the power of Jesus in a resurrected life. Let me say it a little step further. Which means not just coming down or not just lifting your hands up and giving your heart to Christ. But being, listen to this, free indeed. Freedom. 
having freedom, experiencing freedom. I know a lot of good people that claim to be Christians that don't live in freedom. They're bound by their miserable self. Let me read to you. Philippians 3 and 10. This is from uh, the NIV. It says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection. And I want to tell you today, not only do I want to know Christ, but I also want to know the power of His resurrection. You need to know Him, and you need to know the power of His resurrection. You need to know both of them. So the two questions that I want to ask you today that are very important. First of all, do you know Jesus? Do you know Christ? Have you had a Good Friday experience? That's at the cross. In the opener of that video, if you notice that it went from life to death. And then in the reverse of it, it went from death back to life. And I want you to know that Jesus is the only one that can take your life and put it in a reverse. He's the only one that can reverse the script. He's the only one that can rewrite your story. He's the only one that can give you the power. And you can give your heart to Christ in one Simple decision today. You can have that Good Friday experience and your sins can be forgiven in your life. But Jesus wants to reverse the stuff that's in your life. I'm going to share with you why. The next question. Moving on to the Easter part of this. Is you, you've given your heart to Christ. You've asked Him to come into your life. But do you know Him in the power of His resurrection? Is your life, are you living in an Easter experience? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, you've allowed Him to come into your heart. You say you're a Christian. You say you're saved. But did you allow the resurrection of Jesus to confront the parts and the areas of your life that are dead or dying? You say, well, we're all dying, Pastor. We all are. We're all flesh. That's why we are dead and dying. Yes, but the Bible teaches us very plainly that we have life after this death, the physical death. Are you with me? So there's a lot of people that know Christ, but still, here it is, the bottom shelf of it, live in the ruins of their past. They're still dealing with what all went on many years ago. They're still dealing with what went on uh, last Thursday. They're still dealing with what went on in the past of their life. I know that people who believe that Jesus can forgive them of their sins, but they feel like their life is ruined. They feel like that they have blown it. Any, I, I, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands. I just want you to think about it for a few moments. I know there are people who are in this room that feel like, well, Jesus forgave me, but I've blown it in my life. I've been married once, twice, three times, four times, how many ever times, and I can never get anything good out of my life. My life can never be what it should be. I've blown it financially. I've blown it uh, morally. I've blown it in so many ways. I've made so many bad choices. But I want you to know something that Jesus is the only one that can make your life great again. The enemy is lying to you when he tells you that you can't have a good or great life again. Why? Jesus is the only one that can take a life from ruins to restoring. I looked that word up, ruins, and I didn't put the definition up on here, but I'll just, in a short, give it to you. Ruins basically means in devastation. How many watched 
just a few days ago as the chapel that was in Paris was burning. I happened to be in an office and it was on the television. It was, was down. There's other chapels that are have set. There's one in particular that set for years and years and years. They would rebuild it and then it over in Ireland and then it would uh, then something would happen and then they would rebuild it again and something would happen and they would rebuild it again and something would happen. And, and I've seen pictures of it where uh, they would put pictures of this thing up and now it just sets in a shell of the state of the way that it used to be because they got tired and they gave up and they quit trying to build anymore. They got tired of that. And my prayer is this. If you feel like that your life has had a Good Friday experience and you have been there and you've given your heart to Jesus, that you move on in this journey, that you don't make it a one-time stop by Refuge Church on Easter Sunday morning, but you make a journey out of this to a resurrection day where your life will live and have meaning and have purpose again because we believe that. And I really believe as my, my job as a pastor is more than what a lot of people think it is, and that is to get you on the journey to you recognize and realize that God has purpose in my life. God has a plan for me and it's still good and it's still great. And even though all of this stuff has happened in my past, I believe that I can live again. I want to read to you, and we're getting close here to closing in just a few minutes. I want to read to you. In the Old Testament, there's a prophecy that was given and Jesus actually took the scrolls up and he began to read out of Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. And as Jesus was reading this, at the end of it, Jesus said, after he read these scriptures, and I'm, we're reading it from the Old Testament here, he quotes it in the New, or he reads it in the New. At the end of it, when he finishes in the New Testament, and look what he says, and he says, on this, or at this time, or this day, it has been fulfilled. In other words, what was being prophesied here, he had paid for and taken care of. Are you, are you on the page with me? At Calvary. He said that because he is alive, you can live. In Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, let me read to you a little bit of this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. I got to looking at that word poor because a lot of us think poor means we don't have any money. We're broke. That's not what that means. If you look it up and you, and you study it, you're going to find out the poor is not talking about money. The poor is refer, referring to being bankrupt in their soul. They need a good Friday experience. There's good news. There is salvation. Come on, somebody. Then he says, He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim the, that the captives will be released, that the prisoners will be free. What does he mean by comforted the brokenhearted? Comforting the brokenhearted is a healing process. It's a process which is going from being salvation to a journey of healing in your life so that you live free, that you are free indeed. It's a process and a place that everybody who is hurting, well, I gave my heart to Jesus, but I'm still living in misery. I gave my heart to the Lord, but I'm still not where I think I ought to be. I'm telling you that He it's a process or a journey, and that's part of where I believe God is, uh, part of what God has given me to do. Verse 2, He has sent me to tell those that mourn that the time of the favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger 
uh, is against their enemies. God is going to take care of you. Verse 3. To all who mourn in Israel, he gave a crown, give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing to be like the great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. One translation calls it the great oaks of righteousness. In other words, you're not what you were, you're something greater. You know what we need? To be planted. To be planted. To be planted firm. We're not wavered. We're not in one day and out another day. We know who we are in Jesus. We know who we are in Christ. It wasn't just a Friday experience. But I've got purpose in my life and I'm moving forward. And I'm, it makes sense to me. It makes sense why Jesus created me. And He has planted me like an oak of righteousness for His glory. Not for my glory, but for His glory. Not for what I can do, but for what He did for me. I'm thankful today that Jesus does that. Look at this, verse 4. They will rebuild ancient ruins, repairing cities that have been destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted, look at this, for many generations. You know what Jesus said? Jesus says, I'm going to take the ruins, I'm going to restore them, I'm going to give them beauty for ashes, and I'm going to give them praise instead of sorrow. You know what verse 4 says? Verse 4 basically says He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. And now He wants to restore you. He wants to bring you back. He wants to use your life that was devastated and bring it back for something great. Not just leave you where you were. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Look at this. Easter is not just an event. It's not just a day that we celebrate and take our kids out and let them hunt Easter eggs and give them chocolate bunnies. It's not just a day that we come to church in our best. Jesus wants to take your life from dying to living, from ruin to restored. That's what Easter's about. Easter, C.S. Lewis says this, is death working backwards. The Bible tells you how that can happen because I, I know there are going to be people who sit here this morning and say, Pastor, you said all of that. How does that happen? Quickly, I'm going to share with you. And we're going to pray. I'm glad that you're thinking that. How could God take my life? You know, I've had all this stuff going on. I've, you know, whatever it is. How can God do that? John 11, 25, and 26 tells us. Jesus told her, He said, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Anyone who believes in me, what happens? They'll live even after dying. That's the first death. But they can live, which is the second death. Anyone who believes in me will live. Come on, somebody. Even after dying the first death. Look at verse 26. Everyone who lives in me, you got to live in him. You don't just believe, but you got to live in him. And believes in me will never die. You know what the question is? The big question is this. If you're here and your life has been in ruins, the big question is, do you believe this? Because if you don't believe it for yourself, it's going to be hard for it to ever happen for you. As much as I can believe it for you, you've got to believe it for yourself. That's the big catch. Do you believe that God can take a life like yours and make it brand new? Do you think that God can take a life like yours that has been messed up, that has had maybe accusations against it, maybe you, got, maybe you even have things pending against you now? 
Do you believe that God can take a life like yours and begin to work it in reverse and take what's been bad in your life, what has been ruined in your life, and restore it to something beautiful? Do you believe that? Because that's the thing. Rebuilding is a journey. Rebuilding is a journey of healing that we believe is most successful not done alone. One of the things that we really, really talk about a lot here, and we're uh, developing more and more as we go along here at the church. And I know it seems like some would say, well, it's just a popular fad. These small groups, we call them house to house. And the reason we believe so keenly in them, and I know there are people here that try to think they're slipping under the radar by not going, and we know. And we believe that it's so important that you go and be a part, that you find a small group to be connected to because we believe that this journey is not done well alone, but it's done best when you do it with others. When you have somebody else who realizes and recognizes and knows and says, hey, I have been through similar things on my own journey, but let me tell you what God did in my life. Let me tell you about the financial ruins I was in and how God was able to make it and work it in backwards uh, because He took care of me. you got to believe it, though. It's a journey. And I want to tell you, we want to go with you on the journey. Grace will meet you where you are, but it will never leave you where it found you. I think that's so good. And you can start living today, which means that God can take your life Filled with all the stuff. It may be an addiction. Come on, somebody. It may be a past of hurt. It may be broken marriages. It may be a, what seems like a ruined family. And God can begin to do a work in you and He can heal your life. He can heal the habits. He can heal the hang ups. Jesus is the only one that can truly heal you. It's best done, not alone, but together. Amen. Done alone. Would you stand with me? We're going to get ready here in just a few minutes and close. Guys, if y'all give me some a little bit of music there for just a moment. I wanted this message to the point. Not just a message about 